This is episode 12, Falling Flat on Our Faces and Getting Back Up, Eventually. This is The Path of Imperfection, a podcast for imperfect women and the imperfect men who love them. If you are ready to show how big your brave is and lean into this human experience, join the journey. Here we are, you and me, trekking down this path of imperfection, embracing our human one step at a time. This is Becky Hennessy, your host, your companion. I'll tell you, sometimes, sometimes as I am crawling down this path, sometimes I get tired and I get out of breath. I am so grateful for the idea that we can stop and rest. Hopefully, you're doing that by reading the rest stops in your email. Unless you aren't getting them, then go to brickstherapy.com and start to get them. I referred to an epic fail of mine in a previous podcast. And for the sake of practicing what I preach regarding vulnerability, I'm going to hit that pinata today. I'm not just going to hit it because who just hits a pinata one or two times? I'm going to home run hit that sucker today like a kid that just wants the rain of candy that will come out once they've single-handedly demolished that shaped cardboard. I love teaching. I have had lots of opportunities to do it in my church service and in my community, but I would love to become a professional teacher at some point in my career in some arena. Getting paid to do something that I love that much would just be awesome to me. So I applied a while back for a teaching job. I got the email telling me that I met the criteria of being able to do the first interview, which happened to be a recorded interview, which I've absolutely never done in my life. Basically, you click on the interview questions of which you have no clue what are, and then you're given a time frame to consider your answer, about 30 seconds, and then you answer the question within another short amount of time. And this is all recorded, like on a webcam. They did have some practice questions. And quite honestly, I felt like I knocked those out of the park. And so I moved forward to the once recorded, you can never take it back portion of the interview. And I began to have deja vu. As soon as the first question came up, I went right back to that tiny room I was in with that computer Years ago, the room I took my licensing exam in to become an LCSW, I was eight months pregnant with my first at that time. And honestly, I just knew that I would be delivering her on that floor because the first question right out of the gates, I had no clue to answer. If I'm being real, like I read that question and I thought, I didn't even know that was a disorder. Is that a thing? So the question pops up on the screen in this recorded interview and I freeze. I'm like, say what? Wow, that was that's a really good question. So good that I didn't know the answer to it. So I'd Google or I'd write whatever I came up with and I'd muddle through some answer that I thought they wanted or that I thought sounded good. Second question, same story. I think out of the nine questions that were asked, I felt semi-okay maybe about two of my answers. I can guarantee I looked like a hot mess to whoever <laughs> watched what I'm sure they thought was a Saturday Night Live sketch of my interview. I felt like a hot mess. I was completely unprepared, completely unauthentic. 
I had fallen flat on my face and I had an audience to prove it. I failed hardcore. There is no exaggeration here. I think I can say that that was one of my top five life fails. And I'm an old woman, y'all. Top five. And there was nothing I could do about it. That interview is going to stay on my file for a year and is the only thing they look at if I ever want to apply again in that year. So I have 365 days from that time, it's been a while, of no chance that I will get to teach at that institution. Five years ago, that would have stung deeper and for longer than it did. Two years ago, even, I would have been swimming in shame and self-doubt and question my worth. But that day, that night, I didn't go there. Don't get me wrong. The failure hurt and it hurt bad. Humility is painful sometimes. <laughs> and I was bleeding all over the place <laughs> with that pain. It made me literally sick to my stomach. Even today, as I'm talking about it, I can feel my stomach just turn and my chest just get tight and my heart beat really, really fast. I didn't get to skip the feelings that came with the failure. I had to feel through them. And there was some significant discomfort with that. But what I thought and did in response to those feelings, my thoughts and my actions that I got to choose, didn't get to choose the feelings, they just came. But my thoughts and actions that I got to choose, that is where the work that I'm continually challenging myself to do, that's where I'm having or I had some payoff. Before the failure, because of past failures, I had made some deposits into my, y'all are going to fall flat on your face again because you choose courage over comfort savings account. These deposits aren't a one and done deal or some and done situation. And this account is never full. It's never complete. And I don't make deposits all the time every single day. But over time, I've tried as well as I can to make deposits. And when those failure withdrawals happen, because failure happens, I've remained in the black. Again, 10 years ago, five years ago, even two years ago, I would have been overdrawn. That day, my account was still in the positive after one of my top five epic fails. I wish that I could profess that in all of my wisdom, I uncovered how to make those deposits. Or that in all of my schooling, I got a checklist and can give that checklist to you. But if life experiences and schooling and the gospel really has taught me anything, it's taught me that my wisdom, my life experiences, my schooling isn't enough, that checklists don't exist, particularly in the most important life work, and that the best way to figure stuff out is to rumble with it. Yes, there are some particular books that have helped me identify how to make deposits. And my therapist, my close friends, my family, the spirit have all helped me know and identify for me where those deposits need to be. But without the rumble through it, oh, and that is the meat and potatoes, tasting the dust, feeling the face plant. Failure is absolutely inevitable if you are truly going to commit to being a human. You've got a body, you have the ability to choose, and others have the ability to choose. Picking this plan ensured that failure was going to be present. Not just once, but over and over and over and over and sometimes in the same arenas. Failure isn't a consequence. It's a guarantee. Our heavenly parents are not concerned about if we're going to fail. They knew we would. They are not concerned about how many times we fail. They knew it would be a lot. Their love for us does not change. And our worth does not change 
when failure happens. What they do care most about is how we respond to it. That's what this life is about, right? How we respond to our failure, how we respond to the failure of others. That's what matters most. That is what we're going to have to be accountable for and answer for. We're going to fail. We know that. So how can we prepare for it as best as we can? How can we feel through it and stay out of shame or blame as best as we can? How can we get back up in dignity and grace after the face plant? How can we be gladiators in this arena? Let's try some stuff on. In the last podcast, we talked a little bit about compassion. And in prior podcasts, I've talked a little bit about compassion. I know y'all are like, compassion, like what is it? And can you put more meat on that? And you know, whatever. Well, go to the Google and type in Dr. Kristen Neff, K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Neff is N-E-F-F. She's the mastermind behind introducing research to the world regarding self-compassion. But I'm going to put it in a nutshell right now. So she has identified that self-compassion has three key elements. Self-kindness versus judgment, common humanity versus isolation, and mindfulness versus over-identification. So let me put that into English. Self-kindness sounds like an understanding towards ourselves when we suffer or fail or feel inadequate. It's recognizing that imperfection, failure, experiencing life difficulties, that is all inevitable. And it's being kind to ourselves when we're confronted with our painful experiences or discomfort rather than getting mad or critical of ourselves when life falls short of our painted pictures. Self-kindness is treating yourself the way you would a good friend in the same circumstance or situation or experience. Common humanity is the idea that all humans suffer and have hard things and feel. It's this idea that we are in this together. Your suffering and your mistakes aren't because you're flawed or because you can't get it together. It's because you're a human being. Common humanity says that because we're in this together, I am not alone. Mindfulness, it's a buzzword these days, is to be with our discomfort or negative emotions. We are aware of them. We don't deny them. We don't suppress them. We acknowledge them and likewise acknowledge that those feelings are not fact. They're information. We don't minimize them. We also don't get caught up in them. We become curious about them. Does that sound like hippie talk? It kind of does, huh? (laughs) You're welcome. So consider increasing your self-compassion. That's a deposit. The more you have, the better prepared you will be for a face plant. We feel through stuff by acknowledging it, getting curious about it and reaching out. One of the best ways to make another deposit and to stay off the shame train is to give yourself empathy and to seek it out. Empathy is tapping into a time when you have felt discomfort or pain or something similar to what that other person's feeling so that you can sit next to that person, so that you can sit with that person. It's acknowledgement of. I'll link you to a great quick video from Brene that explains empathy that is absolutely awesome. You can listen to my previous podcast as well that talks all about empathy. As soon as I woke up the next day, because I did my interview quite late or early, depending on your time awareness, I spoke it. I told my husband about it and he listened and let me talk through it. And then I called a friend and that friend didn't say, oh, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. Or, well, at least you'll have another job opportunity, or at least you're working in a job that you absolutely love now. I picked this friend because that friend is the kind of friend that said, oh, that is rough. 
I am so sorry. I know how much you want to teach and you'll be an amazing teacher. That interview sounded brutal. My husband and that friend let me talk through it. And then we laughed about it. I'm going to be honest because come the light of the next morning, I'd created a Saturday Night Live episode in my brain about it and thought it was, it was kind of funny. Have those relationships, those marble jar friends, as Brene puts it, those people, as Meredith Gray puts it, already. That's a deposit. Have those people already available and use them and let them use you. Speaking the shame, receiving and giving empathy, really good deposits. Stay off that blame train too. Don't even buy a ticket for it. The only reason we blame is to discharge discomfort, pain, or hard feelings. There is absolutely no use for, purpose for, or positive perspectives that come from blame, either blaming yourself or blaming someone else. Blame, like shame, is completely useless. It's unhelpful. It's garbage. I could have gotten mad at the institution for not giving me time to contemplate better answers or for not giving me themes about the questions. But at the end of the day, they gave me everything I needed. I was just not prepared, not as prepared as I should have been. And it was the first time I'd ever done it. Do you hear that compassion in me? Blame is usually a one-way ticket, and it will take us to places that are very, very hard to return from. At some point, we have to get up. That is fact. When and how, that is up to us. There is no rule that you have to bounce back in a certain amount of time. I'm doing air quotations, but you can't see them, right? So there is no rule about you having to move forward in a certain amount of time or putting it behind you by a certain date. You take your time, cry, scream, have a little temper tantrum if you need to, catch your breath, spit out the dust, get your bearing, cry a little more, feel through it all, then make a decision to stand up. If you need help, Ask for it and let someone or someones help you, whether that be to friends, family, father, strengthening angels, whatever. If you need support, ask for it and let them support. Stand up. Doesn't matter if your face is still dirty or bloody or bruised. Being brave is about being scared and doing it anyway. My epic fail was one of many for me. And at that time, I was as ready as I could be. I haven't been and won't be every fail, but... I have deposits in that account, right? And if we prepare ourselves with the reality that failure is a part of the plan, if we deposit compassion and empathy, if we make a deposit by staying out of shame and blame as much as possible, if we get up, even when it's hard, we will be able to fall flat on our faces and get back up eventually. I am so thankful for you. I'm thankful for your ears that listen and for the thoughts that you share. I am so grateful that you are willing to hit play and try on new things and new ideas. My ebook, Ministering Through Connection, is like this podcast on steroids, basically. And it's in written word. Go to my website and download it. I add a chapter every week. And so you'll continue to be able to receive those chapters. Invite friends and family or ward members to download it. Give me some insight about it. Maybe someday the insight you give will be in print. I don't know. You are enough and you are worthy and you are theirs, our heavenly parents. No matter how often you fail, enjoy the journey, brave the battle. Big news! I have written a book, an ebook. This is uncharted territory for me, but I'm leaning into what Father has told me to do, so here we go. <laughs> this book is called Ministering Through Connection. 
You can get a free copy chapter by chapter by going to my website and by clicking on the little pop-up that happens at the bottom middle of the page. Stick with it. I'm still ironing the kinks out of that, but when it pops up and you go to enter your name, if it shifts down a little bit, stay with that pop-up. Put your information in there so that you can get chapter by chapter ministering through connection.